Well, we are in a brand new series titled Hope in the Dark, and we're going to look at a a book in the Old Testament that probably many of us don't turn to very often. It's the book of Habakkuk. Let me hear you say Habakkuk. Right. It's a, isn't that a fun word? They, they had some fun names back then. Right. We don't have those fun names anymore. Habakkuk. Right. So if you're pregnant, I'm just saying, if you're having a son, you may want to consider Habakkuk. Right. Not really. He will probably be made fun of. I'm just telling you. Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a minor prophet. What it means is he never got up to the major leagues. No, I'm just teasing. He actually, there's major and minor prophets in the Old Testament. He's just a minor prophet. There's only three chapters in his book. What's interesting about Habakkuk is that Habakkuk is a prophet, but most prophets that we see in the Older Testament, what they are is they get a word from God, and then they go to the people and pronounce that word or that vision or revelation from God to the people. Not with Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a different prophet. In fact, Habakkuk decided to be raw with God and start to kind of complain to God on behalf of all the people. He was just fed up with things. And he's like, God, I'm going to go to you with concerns and complaints. And it was a different type of prophet of all the other prophets that we see. And what's interesting is that the nation of Judah is just on a downhill spiral. They were prospering, they were flourishing, all was well. Then all of a sudden, what happens is oppression comes, there's violence, and Habakkuk doesn't like it. And Habakkuk is asking God a question. Habakkuk lived 600 years before the time of Jesus. So we're talking about 2,600 years ago. Habakkuk is asking the same question that many of us are asking God today. Why doesn't God seem fair? Why? God, I thought you were good. But you don't seem fair. Here is how Habakkuk begins his letter. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2, begins this way. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you, violence, but you you don't save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Why, God, don't you heal my daughter? Why don't you heal my son? God, why don't you heal me? God, why didn't my marriage survive? Why, God, why is my child rebelling and going down the path that I've tried to teach them? Don't go down, and they're going down that path. God, I was the boss's pet, and I wore it proudly, why did I get passed up on that promotion? Why? And Habakkuk is just being real and raw with God. Hey, God, I've got questions. Why? And sometimes in life, we have, we have those questions as well. Why, God? And here's what's interesting. Habakkuk lives into his name, lives into his story. And Habakkuk's story is our story. Here's what the word Habakkuk actually means. It means to embrace or to wrestle. 
What we're going to find out in the only three chapters that Habakkuk is, is that he's trying to embrace his faith and who he knows what God is. But at the same time, Habakkuk, what he sees happening in the nation is not lining up with what he's embracing of who God is. God, if you're good, and I want to believe you're good, why do I see injustice and wrongdoing? Why, why, why? Let me state a warning. Turn to your neighbor and say, "Uh uh-oh. This is not a sitcom message. You know how a sitcom goes. Many of us grew up with sitcom televisions, right? TV shows. Maybe the Brady Bunch, Friends, The Office, whatever it is. Normally, you start out happy. There's a problem, and the problem's solved within 30 minutes, and the show's over. A lot of the messages we bring is, we're happy, we have a problem in life together, What's the, how do we get and resolve it? This is not a sitcom message. A sitcom life may go something like, you lost your job, and then you found a better job. And all of a sudden, you're single, and you start dating this really cute guy that you didn't realize was the owner's son. And then you guys get married, and you retire at the age of 32, and it's awesome. That's a sitcom life. But we know life is not a sitcom. Like your job. You were passed up on that promotion. And now you're mad. Your friend who was so close to you stabbed you in your back. And now you guys are apart and you wonder why. Or your spouse You are so in love and your spouse decides to cheat on you and you sit and go, why? And I want to work it out. And your wife or your spouse blames you for it and they leave and you're left with, what happened? Or you've always had a clean bill of health, but that one time you went into the doctors and you got that news. And you started chemo and that cancer went away and you're like, yes, God then cancer reared its head again. Life is not a sitcom. And then some well-meaning Christian comes along in your life. Brother, sister, just hold on to God. Hold on to the faith. Just let go and let God do his thing. And they mean well. You have good theology. But you want to do what the Bible tells you to do is lay your hands on people, right? But in the wrong way, you want to kind of strangle. That's like not the right laying of hands. But you want to. Because you're sitting there going, my life is wrecked right now. My faith is spiraling downhill. I don't need those words right now. I need to know if God is on my side or not. Because life is throwing me a curveball. And I don't feel good about who God is right now. And Habakkuk, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Why, God? And Habakkuk continues. God, just in case you don't know, destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, hey, God, 
The law's paralyzed. The wall can't do anything because justice never prevails. In other words, God, I wonder if I can't do this a little bit better than you. I wonder if I can't. And what are Habakkuk's problems? Three problems, the same problems that when we're in a deep valley, you and I may be going through. It's number one, God, you don't really seem to care, do you? I know you don't tolerate wrongdoing and injustice, but God, I see it. It's all over. Do you really even care about us? Are you there? Second issue Habakkuk has, you aren't doing much when you could. I know you are all powerful. I know it, and I want to embrace that, and I want to feel it. Why? Why does it feel like you're just sitting back watching it all, doing nothing? Come on, God. And thirdly, what you're doing doesn't seem fair. I don't know. Let's, let's, let's have a little fun for a minute. Let's just be honest. Raise your hand. If you at any point in your life felt like, God, I may be able to do this slightly better. Anyone here? Yeah. Yeah, see, much more this service than last service. First service, they had, a, they had their halos all polished or something. I told them, then you can just throw that halo out because we, we're, we're, I'm going to talk to the real people. Right? The real people. There are times where we sit back and like, all right, God, you seem silent. I think I can do this. And what's interesting, is I want to explain it to you this way. If this is us, this represents us, this is a moment in our lives where we experience Jesus and we, call, we, we come into relationship with Jesus. And all of a sudden, life is going good. We're on the up and up. Man, I'm enjoying this newfound faith. And we get to this top of this mountain, we're like, oh, every message speaks to me. It's incredible. It's like Ryan has a camera on my life. It's just, I, I, that's exactly what I needed. And they, they played your favorite worship song that Sunday. And you're like, oh. And then afterwards, you go out to Walmart and Meyer, and right there in the front row is an empty spot. You're like, God, this couldn't get any better. You are so good. And you pull up, and you're like, oh, I'm just praising him today. He's good. Life is good. But then life happens. You do get that doctor's note or call. You do get passed up on a promotion. You do go back to that addiction that you thought you once had beaten. You find yourself back in a valley. And now you come to church on Sunday morning. Ryan's message was, meh. The worship team, meh. They didn't really sing any of my songs. They're a little off. You go to Walmart and Meyer, and now you're parking way out in the boonies. Hmm. Life happens. What's interesting is Henry Blackaby calls this crisis of belief. And oftentimes when we get there, we, do, we tend to do one of two things. When we're in the bottom of a valley and a crisis of belief happens in our life, 
God, I, what I thought you were, you were good, but what I'm seeing is not good. There's one or two things happen. Either the first is we pretend like we're back up on the mountain, and we want to say, oh, no, no, actually things are good, things are good. Praise the Lord this Sunday, right? Praise the Lord, things are good. And you know in your heart, it's not good. You're in a crisis of belief. Or option two happens. We go back to the beginning. And you sit there, throw your hands up in the air and say, you know what? I tried this God thing and it didn't work. My prayers weren't answered. I, I, I was on cloud nine at once, but if God's good, I should stay up there. And I'm in the valley. I tried God, forget it. I'm done. And many people, when you hit a crisis of belief, they'll walk away from God in those moments. Is life always happy? I wish. I wish we could see rainbows every day. I do wish that parking spot would open up for me every single time I go to the store. But it doesn't. And the half-brother of Jesus says this, James. I don't like this verse, and when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, James, why'd you put it in there? But James says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. When you face trials of many kinds, first of all, there ain't no joy in trials. Not at least my trials. I don't know about yours. If, if you got joy in your trials, I want your trials, all right? I don't want mine. But he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. I love that statement. This is probably the only one of the few parts I love about it. Because you will face many trials of many kinds. But know this, when you face it, the testing of your faith will produce perseverance. And when perseverance is in your life, you got to let it work out to completeness. And James says, so you will lack nothing. In other words, all right, God, I'm in the valley right now. I came off my mountaintop. I want to be back up there. But God, in the midst of this trial, I'm going to find joy. And I'm going to let my faith and perseverance pursue me, follow me, develop in me, so I can get back on top and say, you know what, God? You are good, and my faith is stronger now. Your most intimate parts in life in your relationship with Jesus are not always on mountaintop experiences. It's getting to know his faithfulness in the valley. But we all just want the mountaintop. You'll develop true intimacy with his faithfulness in the valley. So God hears Habakkuk. I hear you. And here is this is God's response now. It's so good. Check out God's response in verse 5. God says, hey, look at the nations and watch and be utterly, what's this word, friends? Amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you, you're, it's going to blow your mind. I'm going to do something you would not believe even if you were told. And this is where you're like, I can imagine Habakkuk's like, yeah. I'm glad you heard my complaints, God. I had a lot of questions. Yes, yes, yes. Here we go. This is where you're going to make us prosper again. This is where you're going to come in. And this is, if it were a sitcom message, I would say something like this. When I traveled to Israel four years ago and studied over there, um, we flew into Istanbul, Turkey. And uh, it was a seven-hour flight from Chicago to Istanbul, Turkey. I am six foot six inches. I'm in the middle of an airplane, in the middle seat. There are six seats in the middle of the airplane, three on the sides. 
And they put a six foot, six inch guy in the middle of the airplane in the middle seat. No bueno. I didn't know better. I've never done a seven hour flight before. It was horrible. Not only that, everyone around me does not speak English. I'm with my mentor in our group, and guess where they're all sitting together in the back of the plane? Oh, great. I'm stuck. And they always feed you food when you're not hungry. You know, it's like this. No, 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 I don't want this. Anyways, I'm sitting there, and uh, the guy in front of me, I, I don't think he cared about me because his chair was going back and uh, like this. And it's like, just keep that chair up. Stop. And eventually, middle of the night, I wanted to sleep. And I, I don't know this person. I don't know that person. I would, you know, kind of be fun if I snuggled them, see what their reaction would be. <laughs> Give me an idea next time I fly. Um, I wanted to fall asleep, so the only option I had was the guy's headrest was so far back, I just put my head there. And then I woke up like an hour later and had to use the restroom, and, you know, they're all sleeping. I have to move. I, can't, I don't want to wake them up. I don't want to be rude. And I get to look in the mirror. I got a big bruise on my forehead now. It's like, this is horrible. I was like, this is from the devil. I'm supposed to go to Israel and the, the Holy Land, right, and study what is happening. And we leave two weeks later. We're back in Istanbul, Turkey. And I said, God, if you're good, I'm going to get a new seat. All right? I will not sit in that devil's seat in the middle of the airplane again. And they had came over the announcement, full flight. You know, we're not changing sheets. You can't move up or whatever. Uh-uh-uh. Like, God, if you're good, we'll go to the counter. And I said, excuse me. She said, yes. I am six foot six inches. Totally used my height card on her. 100%. I said, I need a new seat. She said, oh, I understand. I was like, oh, God, you are good. Right? Open up the heavens. This is awesome. And she gave me an exit aisle for a seven-hour flight. I'm not kidding. From me to miles is how much legroom I had. You know how else I knew God was for me? The bathroom was right there, too. Right? When you got my disease and you got to go to the bathroom, you just, you need bathrooms everywhere. You're looking everywhere. And now, because the problem with the airplane, you know how it is. You're always looking like, is there a line or whatever? It was right in front of me. I, I could do jumping jacks and yoga and the leg room. I was like, yeah, God, you were good, right? That's a sitcom. But God says, hey, Habakkuk, you're going to be utterly amazed on what I'm going to do. And Habakkuk's like, yeah, keep talking, God, come on. I'm rising, raising up the Babylonians, your enemy, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to sweet, seize dwellings not their own. They're feared and dreaded people. They all come intent on violence. You serious, God? Really? This is your answer. Our enemy is coming. This feared and dreaded people that all they care about is violence. Those people is who you're going to send. And I know there are times where you feel like God is not there. He's not answering your faith. But my heart and prayer is that we would live into the story of Habakkuk and his name. 
that when that comes, we would wrestle with honest questions. You'd sit there and wrestle and say, God, why? And I don't understand. But at the same time, you embrace, I'm sorry, you embrace a genuine faith in God. God, I don't know why and I don't like it. Get me out of the valley, but I am trusting in you. I am holding on to you. I know you are still good, even though what I see and I'm going through is not good. And oftentimes, we'll tip a little bit. We'll tip a little bit more on the wrestle side and begin to lose our faith. But Habakkuk, Wrestle and embrace. Wrestle and embrace. And here's Habakkuk's response to God. He's not liking the response. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you'll never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them, the Babylonians, to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. God, I want to remind you, you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are they coming? I don't get it. And God, why are you silent? Well, it seems the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves. times in our lives we ask those questions. God, why are you saying Why are you? What? Do you even see my pain? Do you see what my family's going through? Habakkuk is only three chapters. This is how chapter one ends. Next week, we'll look at chapter two. I told you this wasn't a sitcom message. But there's something at the end of chapter one I want you to know. Don't walk away from God in chapter one. When you hit that crisis of belief, with honest questions God can take it he sees your pain wrestle with it but embrace a genuine faith in him as well don't deny your doubts 